Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of Mendoza Line. My name is Cam, and I am joined by my best buddy, Nick. What is up? What's going on, Cam? Not too much. How are you? I just... Uh, good. I'm just regretting how I said what is up on a podcast. That makes me feel like I'm You're very super hip. white. But anyways, yeah, I am, uh, what is the word, on fleek? Is that what the kids I say nowadays? I believe I read an article recently that that is no longer what the kids are saying. It has oh, become too God, popular. So. I... Oh, well, good. I'm glad that that phrase has died because it made me Yeah, I just heard about it. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> we're not here to talk about... Uh, cultural jargon we are here to talk about america's pastime baseball that is why we named our show mendoza line if you don't know why we call it that do some research or tweet at nick and i'm sure he'll tell you because he's nicer (laughs) than i am but this is our regularly scheduled program last week we kind of went uh kind of went a bit nuts and did a two-hour podcast in which nick and i just live podcasted our fantasy baseball draft and uh it was two hours long and we offered a prize to anybody who listened to all two hours of the episode. And uh, I didn't hear anything, Nick, did I, you? I did not, sadly. So so nobody listened to all two hours of it and then got in contact with us, as we asked. So, you know, I'm sorry, no Porsche 911 for you. You you could have got one if you'd listened to all of it, but you I didn't. Know there, so. there are a few people that listened to a few minutes of it, but no... No one endured to the end, so that's that's what we were looking for. Yeah, I was I was really looking forward to buying someone a sports car, but I guess I'm just going to have to, you know, buy myself one. <laughs> Wait, just kidding. <laughs> it was going to be a pack of baseball cards. No big deal. Anyways, Nick, why don't, uh, why don't you give our fine listeners a recap of how you think your side of the draft went? Well, I've <clears throat> been sitting on this for a week. Um, I actually haven't made any moves, so I think that's a good sign. But I, it was a lot of fun. As far as last week, that was that was a lot of fun. Two hours, is a long time, obviously. Incredible experience for maybe the people that were there, but not so much listening, which I understand. But looking at my team, I think first of all, I mean, having a team is always exciting to look at. But excited for the season to start. But I feel good. I feel good about my offense. You know, having. The young core guys as keepers really helped, and then I, I think I was able to add pieces such as Zobrist and Pence, Gordon, and a few other uh, younger guys that I think have higher potential to really come through. So definitely some risks, but throughout the season, there's enough moves, enough things that happen that you can't expect that you know you can't perfectly have a, a perfect team coming out because there's just things that are going to happen. But the interesting thing will be my pitching. I have a few that I feel really good about, Syndergaard and Keuchel, and to a lesser extent, uh, Cueto and Mats. But I, I took some a few a few guys that I think are going to be solid, if unspectacular, Wei Yin Chen and Jake Odorizzi, and then <clears throat> definitely have some risks with Blake Snell. Jared Eikhoff, just because they're so young and unproven, and then Bailey, Homer Bailey, who is a red, bit of a Homer pick, no pun intended. But coming off major surgery, so we'll see how he comes back. So I think, you know, my strategy is going to be, you know, for the most part, I'll, I'll stick with what I have 
you know, I'll look, see what pictures maybe come out of the woodwork or that I can add to solidify that. But I mean, I'm optimistic. I got, I got a lot of guys that I think I'm going to enjoy watching this year, which is always something I try to do. So how about you? How are you feeling after a week of looking at it? Well, uh, as usual, I feel really confident in my pitching. That is generally one of one of the only strengths I have in fantasy baseball is good pitching. Um, uh, I feel quite good about that. David Price, Garrett Cole, Jose Fernandez, Carlos Martinez, Jose Quintana, uh, and then I've got Mark Apple and Julio Arias, who are not up yet, but as keeper picks, it's super, super low values. I feel really good about that. Uh, Robertson and Melanxon, and uh, Roberto Osuna, Andrew Storen as relievers. Um, I just, I feel like that is a solid group. It's not going to, you know, they're not they're not the Yankees bullpen, but I think over the course of this season there's gonna be a lot of consistency there. Um my offense on the other hand, I feel better about this team than I did last year's team, which mm-hmm. is good. Um, but of course Johnny Peralta got hurt the day or two after yeah, I drafted him. Um and my backup shortstop is Dansby Swanson, who is not in the majors. May not play this year, yet. but we'll see. And, <laughs> Yeah, may not may not play at all this year, and so I, I'm looking at my my offense, and I have uh, five bench players on my offense, and four of them are currently listed as not active because they are prospects. So that's a bit concerning. Um, so you know, you went you went into the year do, was there that you're building for the future. Yeah, no, this is definitely a this is definitely a building year. Um, off of the strong pitching core that I had last year, and a few. Uh, offensive keepers like Mookie Betts and Charlie Blackman, I think, are the only two. Oh, and Freddie Freeman. So those are the three offensive players I kept, um, which I feel like are pretty solid keepers um, to build off of. But uh, we we shall see how how the offense rolls this year. I'm not looking to win, like I said. I think I was trying to finish in between fifth and tenth was my goal. Um, out of fourteen teams, but. Due to the fact that Johnny Peralta got hurt, it may be out 10 to 12 weeks or more, depending on surgery and the fact that I don't have a backup shortstop, I uh, I wanted to ask, who should I replace Johnny Peralta with? My top three options, according to the players that are left in uh, our league, are Alexi Ramirez, Brock Holt, or Adani Echevarria. <clears throat> now, Brock Holt is not a starter, but he's eligible at first, second, short, mm-hmm. and outfield but he's a backup at every single one of those positions for the Red Sox. Alexi Ramirez starts for the Padres, I believe. And Denny Hechevarria is the starter for Miami. And none of those options really jump out at me as, hey, I'm a good replacement. But I realize in a 14-team league with 26 players per roster and shortstop already being a very weak exactly. position, that I, I really shouldn't uh, get my hopes up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like you said, after the top tier shortstops, you know, you got about 10 or so that you feel confident about, but then it gets pretty pretty thin pretty quick. You know, I Of those three options, uh, Holt is a, a guy very versatile. Like you said, he plays many positions. The only thing is this year is the playing time is going to be a pretty big concern. You know, he got a lot of those stats because he played so much last year because 
Dustin Pedroia was hurt, and Hanley Ramirez was awful in the field. I think Pablo Sandoval was hurt. So that's tough. I mean, that's the guy to keep an eye on in case someone gets hurt down the road. But I think for a league of this this size, you know, playing time is just as important sometimes, especially when you get to the bottom. So in that, I probably would take hold out. And then, I mean, Alexei and Hechevarria, you know, just looking at last year's stats, um, Alexei had 10 home runs, 62 RBIs, 17 stolen bases. Which I, I mean, that's that's not too shabby. Um, 249 average, not the best. He's He's getting older. He's on a new team, new league coming over for the White Sox. And then Hechevarria. He had about 120 less at-bats, 470. And he had five home runs, 48 RBIs, seven steals. But he did hit 281. So it might be one of those things if you're looking for more of a steady, you know, not going to kill you with a really low batting average, you might think about Echeverria. The Marlins lineup is not going to be too bad. I'm not exactly sure where he's going to hit, probably more towards the bottom. Whereas Alexei, the lineup's not going to be as good, so he might hit or towards the top. And he, I mean, he can fill up the stat sheet. So, I mean, if it was me, I probably would lean toward Alexei Ramirez just because he he's a veteran. He's done it for several years now. But I know there is some bias probably against him because he used to play for the White Sox. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of in the back of my mind. Um. So I, I guess the bigger question then, and I don't really want to hang on this too long because I'm sure our listeners at this point are, are, you know, over our fantasy teams, is who I drop in favor of a shortstop replacement. But maybe we can talk about that off the air and we can move on to uh, our main topic for today since we've been going on this for a few minutes and I don't want to... I don't want our listeners to think this is, this is our... Uh, they don't care about our fancy teams? No, 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 they don't. They don't at all. I thought they would. Yeah, well, you know, I, I've i thought lots of things and been incorrect. <laughs> like <laughs> like the Tigers would make the playoffs this year. I'm sure I'm going to be incorrect about that. So I will I will choose either, uh, you're saying Hechevarria, is that how you say it? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Oh, okay. A Dany Echeverria. Well, it's either going to be Alexi or a, or a Dany. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Both Cubans, I believe. So. All right. There you, there you go. That's, you know, yay for coming to America. Um, All right. Well, we've got some news to discuss. Yeah. And it, Fun story. of course, revolves around um, Bryce Harper, who no one has opinions about whatsoever. <laughs> So, Nick, why don't you fill us in about what this story is about, and then maybe we can share our opinions on it. Yeah, well, in the last week, there's been, there's a, there's an interview that he did for, I think it was SI.com, but it did, I mean, just a little context, Bryce Harper is, you know, one of the best young players in the game. He's been the majors. He he came up when he's 20, he's I think. He's a freak. He, Feels like he's been around forever, and he's still only twenty three or twenty four. And he was the NL, like very, NL MVP last year. Yeah, very polarizing figure as far as very young, very brash, kind of be viewed as cocky. So you, it's one of those situations you either love him or hate him. But he he kind of came out. Well, I think initially 
There were some comments made by Goose Gossage, who was a pitcher in the 70s for the Yankees, uh, closer, you know, successful, but kind of turned into a grumpy old man in a in a <laughs> way. He, he kind of came out and just uh, ripped on a, f- a few different people, um, saying that, you know, there's this idea that baseball, I mean, baseball is a gentleman's game to a degree, and it's, it's old. It, there's some expectations as far as how it should be played. There's a lot of unwritten rules that, just an odd respect for the game, the people playing it. You d- there's not a lot of room for personality, uh, showboating, or whatnot. And if there is, if that happens, then you got to be prepared to either get a fastball up high or one of your teammates as well. So, but he, this Goose Gosh's guy, came out and said, "Well, first of all, he um, he threw Jose Bautista under the bus. He, Bautista had a big home run in the playoffs last year, and he threw his bat." in the air and pretty demonstrously and afterwards and that everyone in Kansas a huge... City hated him for it <laughs> it was awesome oh, I bet. it was awesome but ca- caused a pretty big conversation because that's that's a rule that you just you don't showboat but I mean I'll try to keep my bias out of it but it was I mean it was a big moment so I, I could definitely understand but yeah he called him a called him a disgrace to the game which was pretty strong um, roped Yoana Cespedes into that as well. I mean, guys that just, they're a little bit more, show a little bit more personality when they're playing. So then he, he comes out and talks about um, nerds ruining the game, etc. Just, I mean, just a guy that I think it's been going on for generations, that the older generation thinks the newer generation isn't playing the game the right way. So, so Bryce Harper comes out um, and just talks about in this interview how... Uh, to a degree, like baseball is tired and, and needs some rejuvenating, which you know I agree somewhat. But I mean, baseball is doing pretty good right now. A lot making a lot of money. Very, I mean, very popular. I don't, a lot of people think that it's boring and dying, but you know, a lot of people still are going to games, so it's it's reaching to some demographic. But I mean, it, it sparked this whole debate again about, um, you know, he basically was talking about, you know, if if a guy is you know, he should be able to show his personality. If a, if a pitcher strikes someone out and it's a, a high-pressure situation, he should be able to, you know, pump his fist a little bit, yell, look at the dugout, you know. <clears throat> you know, that all that makes me want to do is come up and, you know, I'm going to try to get you the next time. And, you know, if I hit a big home run, you know, I expect you to come and strike me out the next time. Kind of just bringing a new philosophy to the game as far as allowing players to show more of their personality allowing to have a little bit more fun and not be so guarded in um, the situation, oh, you know, big situations, the game, um, trying to keep your cool or whatnot. So, you know, it's, it's definitely sparked a lot of talk shows and articles, this interesting dynamic of personality in the game of baseball. And, you know, personally, I think a little bit of that is good for the game. I think, I think it's okay to dislike players. It's, that's just part of human personality, you know. You, there's just guys that play for opposing teams they don't like because they're good and because they show a little of emotion. But I think that adds to the fun and the rivalry, and you know. And I guess in this case, it's getting a lot of people to talk about baseball. And um, but I thought Goose Gossage went over the line a little bit, calling Jose, Bat- Jose Bautista a disgrace, and then saying that nerds are running ruining baseball. Whereas you know. There's a lot of people that can't play baseball for a living, and it gives them a way to follow it. So, 
I mean, that's only good for the game. So that yeah, that just was interesting. He and, also said that Bryce Harper doesn't know anything about the history of the game and, and disrespects it. And yeah. and so I read an article uh, on the Washington Post that was kind of a summary of all of this, and I'll uh, link to that <clears> in the show notes as well. Um, but based on what I've read, which is, is, again, just this article on the Washington Post, I'm totally on Bryce Harper's side here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and th- again, this is me reading one article and sharing an opinion. I didn't hear Bryce Harper's original comments. I'm reading him in the article. I didn't hear Goose Gossage's original comments. Um, Jose Bautista's, you know, he's a good player. He's not one of my favorites, but I had no problem with the bat flip whatsoever. Toronto hasn't been in that situation in how many years? He hits an amazing home run that changes the complexion of the game. He has a huge home in, run. In, wh- in what other sport is that sort of reaction a big deal? Is my question. Yeah. In basketball, yeah, it, was, it was game five of yeah. the division series, and at home, you know, if they win, they're going to move on. The building was about round. to collapse. Everyone was going so nuts. So, so my yeah. my reaction is: in what other sport outside of golf is that? inappropriate response yeah and and it wasn't a situation where you know bautista was it wasn't aimed at the pitcher at all he was just no it was was, holy crap i just changed like it's and even he after the game was like i don't even remember doing it it just happened yeah it wasn't like he planned to do it it's incredibly hard to hit a home run and to do it in that spot i mean it's yeah i mean his emotions i'm sure took over and it wasn't anything negative or it wasn't trying to disrespect the game. He's just, I, if I did that, I can't imagine how that would feel. <laughs> yeah, it's just, so. well, and, and there's one part in the article, too, where they quote uh, uh, Sergio Romo from the Giants coming out and telling Bryce Harper to shut his mouth. Like, if I mm-hmm. if I had just won the MVP, well, I wouldn't do that. And, and to Bryce Harper's credit, his response was, I'm I'm on your side, Romo. You're an emotional pitcher. You're known for pumping your fists and yelling, getting pumped. You make. I'm on your side. I'm saying that what you do is okay, and should be mm-hmm. part of the game. And so, for someone who is that young and who has been so polarizing ever since he was a teenager, I mean, in 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 certain respects, he's kind of like LeBron James for baseball, with the the attention he got at such a young age with all of the hype of saying he's the next best player and how successful he's been winning the MVP at 23, I think it's it's a fair comparison to make to LeBron James as far as the hype and the skill is is considered. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that he's such a, a, a target of the media, whether good or bad, everything that he does is scrutinized more than most Major League Baseball players. And the fact that he's willing to take a stand for what he believes in as far as how the game should be played, whether, whether you like him or not, you have to respect the fact that he's young, he's intelligent, and he's willing to stand up for what he believes in. And I think that's totally commendable. It's just this fascinating dynamic of these unwritten rules that no one really knows where they came up with. or well, It's almost like a, a moral conversation of who's respecting the game the most and that's just a, it's a very fleeting, abstract concept. And yeah, you have people like Romo, who, yeah, he's one of the more demonstrative closers in the game. If he strikes someone out, he pump, he's pumping his fists, yelling. 
So I mean, yeah, but then he then he it. comes out and tells you know Bryce Harper to shut his mouth, and it just doesn't make any sense. It's yeah, and, it's a lot of contradictions. And, uh, one of the one of the confusing things to me is is somebody who who was a diehard soccer fan, and when you score a goal in, goal in soccer, everyone loses their minds because there is a certain aspect of magic that happens with most soccer goals. They're so hard to come by, and they require mm-hmm. so much to pull off that when you score one, it's totally okay to go absolutely bonkers. That's expected. Uh, and then you come to a game of baseball, which is built on such strong tradition and values and these unwritten rules. And as you said earlier, it's a gentleman's game. And there are certain things like if you come after my batter, then we're going to come after your batter. And, and all of you know this type of... Um, yeah, almost... To what you said, like this, this moral guideline that these baseball morals, and mm-hmm. w- whenever morals are challenged, there's always a, a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A lashing or a, uh, yeah, uh, like there's always a kickback. That's the word I'm looking for. And so when you see these young guys coming in that wear their hats a bit sideways, like Michael Pineda does, or CC Sabathia. Mm-hmm. Or guys like Bryce Harper, or even back Fernando Rodney. Yeah, Fernando Rodney, or uh, I'm thinking like yeah. Joel Zumaya. He was super pumped up when he was pitching. Jonathan Papelbon with that ridiculous stare down that just makes me laugh yeah. and doesn't. It's, it's it's a changing of the guard. And I th- and we think about it. I mean, fa- I mean that's what's going to get the bigger audience interested in baseball is when you actually get to know people and there's some personality, there's some flair because I mean, there's baseball's too long. And there's too many players. And there's too many games. Too many games to to just, you know, trudge through the entire year. I mean, that's not a huge reason why I got in it, but I think just as someone who wants the game to be successful, I, the more the merrier as far as I don't care if you like it because of a certain player. You know, if you like Bryce Harper, I know I'm, I could take him or leave him, but uh, just a side tangent, I think this is what drives – me so crazy about the St. Louis Cardinals is because they this whole like idea of morals and you know they <clears throat> their fans are the so-called self or the the greatest fans in baseball because they're so respectful of the game and there's the there's the cardinal way or whatever it just drives me and insane. They hack the so. Houston Astros computers. Yeah, and they they hack computers, but yeah, I mean it's, some of that systemic of society. This whole moral yeah well and one of the things that relativism that yeah. sorry to cut you off there buddy um one of, one of the things that bryce harper brought up in the article that i read was that you know eight to 13 year old boys don't want to play baseball because basketball and football is so much more exciting and they want to be like cam newton and they want to be like lebron james or chris paul or uh you know name name a famous nfl player or NBA player. And and when you compare them to a baseball player and compare the game of basketball and the game of football to the game of baseball, they're far more excited about football or basketball because by nature they're more excited. They're more fast paced. They get to, you know, slam dunk or make tackles or, you know, all of that stuff. And so in this article, Bryce's point was like, we need to bring personality to baseball if we want this game to succeed long term because all of the young athletes are not going to want to play baseball they're going to want to play football and basketball Mm -hmm. because from a a young boy's perspective 
they're more exciting. Now he says once you get them into their teenage years and they start to understand the nuances of baseball and the in the intellectual side of the game, then you've got a mm-hmm. chance. But he goes, if they're not playing little league in those formative years, you've already lost them. Yep. I think that's a great point because baseball is still so mental. I mean, that's part of the beauty of it for me is it, I mean, 90% of it is mental. I mean, a lot of people say that's boring, but there's just so much going on that you can't see. So, I mean, if you're in the majors, you have had to have mastered that aspect to a degree. So you're not talking about a bunch of guys that are just, you know, completely lunatics and just airheads out there. I mean, there's, there's some good, there's talent there, but there's also the mental capacity to be able to handle it. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a fear that it's just going to turn into a complete circus, but I just, I just don't think that's what's going to happen. Um, and I think, you know, it, to a degree, you're, if you're going to showboat like that, you got to be ready to, when it doesn't go your way, to, to yeah, face the, the music to a degree. And, you know, it has a way of humbling. I mean, baseball is such a humbling game. To I mean we've we've talked about it before. It's so difficult. I mean, if you hit, if you get on base three out of ten times, you're doing amazing. Yeah, so you've got you a chance seven the times. Fame, so. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, it's it's all very interesting. It's a great discussion, but yeah, I think we're on the same page that it's it's a little ridiculous this mentality that you know you can't have fun or that people are ruining the game by showing emotion. I think the game is a little bit bigger than that. Definitely. All right. So before we uh, move on to our main topic, I just want to tell our listeners that if you uh, if you want to get in touch with Nick or I, or you want to check out the show notes, you can do so in uh, a few ways. You can get Nick on Twitter at Coatsy, that's C-O-A-T-S-I-E-E, or you can get me on Twitter at Cam Brennan, and then you can email us at uh, hello at supermegacorp.net. Just make sure you put Mendoza line in the subject so we'll know um, to direct it our way. And then if you want to check out the show notes, which we'll have a link to that Washington Post article in there as well, um, and perhaps a few other interesting links, you can go to supermegacorp.net, click on our shows, click on Mendoza line and we will be right there uh, at the top because this is the latest episode. So Nick, what, what is our main topic for today, buddy? Yeah, we, we had talked about, you know, we kind of have went through and just personally picked out uh, five of our top uh, starting rotations all throughout baseball, which you know, we'll go talk through the teams that we picked and those different reasons why we also went through the, the bullpens as well. So a pitching centric episode, uh, this week, but you know, it was a lot of fun for me personally. I would, I, uh, I bought a few books this year, actually a lot of annual books come out, you know, with statistics and stuff. So it, it was fun to be able to use that as, as far as piecing together some research and coming to yeah, what I feel like were the top five starting rotations in the bullpen. So, uh, well, you think we can go through those maybe one by one, start with five and go up? Yeah, sure. You go first. Okay. So, yeah, starters, um, the number five overall starting rotation that I chose uh, was the Pirates. Um, you know, I can say with all honesty that I was very objective with this even though the Pirates it hurts me to say that but they do have a very good rotation so you know in looking at this 
um, and how I thought it together. I think the teams towards the top, it was pretty obvious, you know, one through five great starting pitchers, you know, but you just don't find all throughout baseball, you know, a one through five of spectacular pitching. So with the Pirates, uh, big reason why I chose them five overall was, you know, they have a couple uh, really good starters at the top. And then I, I just really think the pitchers that they have coming up adds a lot of potential. So while they may not be the the, star, the best or the f- number five right out of the gate, I think by the end of the year, they're going to be top five. So I'll just go real quick. Um, the Their ace is Garrett Cole. He's former number one overall pick. So he's got the pedigree. Those those really hard. He had a really good ERA last year, 2.60. And he's only 25, so he's going to get, only going to get better. And then their number two pitcher is Francisco Liriano. Uh, he's got two really good pitches, fastball slider. So his his big thing is if he can command that well, you know he's he's pretty unhittable because when the when the ball comes out of your hand, you know you just don't know because the slider is pretty similar velocity to the fastball, but it just kind of uh, dives off the the cliff, so it makes it really hard to hit. So you have to really decipher that. So when he's locating that well, he's extremely tough to hit. And, you know, <clears throat> one of the books that I have to use, it's uh, the Baseball Prospectus, and they, they've got a lot of additional statistics that I kind of use, and I'll kind of explain them, and if there's one that I don't explain well, just let me know. But they, they look at ground ball rates, which obviously it's preferable to get hitters to hit the ball on the ground because the, the ground does a good job of slowing the ball down, and they're not going to... Odds are you're not going to hit a home run, obviously, or be able to drive the ball for extra bases. So, but yeah, he had a, he has really good ground ball rates. So the combination of of stuff and the ground ball rates, you know, makes him a, a, a tough hitter. So or a tough pitcher to hit. Um, and then towards the end, they've got just some some pieces. John Neese came over from the Mets. He's a a solid solid pitcher. Nothing spectacular, but. Uh, the Pirates have done a really good job of taking veteran guys like A.J. Burnett and S.M. Volquez and turning them into really good starters. They have a really good pitching coach there. And then um, some of the guys that I was talking about earlier that I think could come up and uh, be real are Tyler Glass now and Jamison Tyone. They're uh, top pitching uh, prospects. Glass now is really highly rated. He's really tall. Six, he's like six seven. So just the natural angle of the way that he pitches the ball, it's going to make it really tough to hit. But last year he went through three different levels of minor league, uh, minor leagues and posted 2.39 ERA, 1.1 WHIP, and 136 to 43 strikeout to uh, walk ratio, which is really really good. Um, and only 109 innings, so he's striking out way more than uh, a batter an inning. And he made it all the way up to AAA, so he'll be up probably in May or June this year. So once they add him, I mean, you're talking about three pretty nasty pitchers and then the potential for a couple other solid pieces. That's why I picked them at five. Wow. Well, if that is your uh, your uh, praise for the fifth-rated team, I, I hesitate to see what you'll do for number one. Uh, uh, for number five, I, in uh, all of my you know baseball education, chose the uh, San Francisco Giants. Uh, as number five, and um, of course their ace is Madison Bumgarner, who is just a freak. 
Uh, he's he's just so good. <laughs> he's so good. And of course, it's an even year, so you know they're going to win the World Series. <laughs> uh, the, number two, they've got Johnny Cueto, who uh, helped the Royals win the World Series last year, kind of, sort of helped them. Uh, Zamarja is the uh, the X factor, if you will, and I cannot believe I just use that term because I hate it in every possible way. I honestly, I feel like I'm Skip Bayless right now, and I want to kill myself. Uh, so let's just put it this way: Jeff Zamarja is the question mark. Uh, if he can, if he can pitch well, then their rotation becomes formidable. If he has a crappy year, then they they probably probably fall apart uh then they've got jake peavy and matt kane um at four and five now this was six years ago and jake peavy and matt kane were your four and five then i don't know who your first three would be but of course peavy you know he had the major surgery a while ago um and has never quite been himself like he was before the surgery but a a healthy jake peavy a healthy matt kane and a uh, a decent Jeff Samarja provides a solid, I think, three, four, and five for Cueto and Bumgarner to just destroy people on top of. So I'm going to go with San Francisco at number five. Yeah, they were right on the, the edge for me as well. So for all those reasons. Number four I picked was the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, they're, <clears throat> they're an impressive organization as far as being able to develop pitchers because they're not a team you know they're always pretty successful so they don't have a they don't pick high really high up in the drafts but they do a really good job developing so their ace is chris archer he really came on last year uh last year he only gave up 175 hits and 212 innings so i mean when you're only giving up that many hits you know you know your stuff's pretty good he's only 27 so he's just entering his prime now their number two is jake odorizzi and the reason why I really like him, he's <clears throat> really good against left-handers and right-handers. That's always advantageous for a pitcher because uh, you're going to be facing both, especially um, especially if you're a righty like he is. You're going to be facing left-handers. So you got to be able to get him out, and he can do that. He's really good at mixing with pitches. Um, he's got a really good cutter that he added last year that's been getting good ground ball rates. So he's he's definitely improving as well. Uh, number three for them, Drew Smiley, who was a Tiger a couple years ago. Got They got him in the price deal. But he he had a really phenomenal year when he came over. Then he was hurt most of last year. But a lot of people really like him <clears throat> to have a really good year this year. He's a really big, tall uh, left-hander. Uh, he's overcoming injuries, so I'm, ex- I'm interested to see how he does this year. But really good walk and strikeout rates so it's always good when you're not letting people get on base for free and then if you're striking people out at a good rate that obviously means that you have good stuff uh their number four is matt moore who was the top pitching prospect three years ago so obviously a lot of pedigree there really good stuff he's also a guy that um is coming back from surgery he had tommy john a couple years ago Came back about halfway through the year and struggled, but really came on strong at the end of the year. So he's he's a guy that, you know, when you ever have Tommy John, you're always a little worried about command coming back. So if he if he can overcome that, that's a guy that has ace potential as your number four. And then number five, there's a couple guys um, that aren't going to be available at the beginning of the year, but Alex Cobb is one. 
he was probably their ace last year before he blew his arm out and had Tommy John surgery. So he's he's expected back about halfway through the year, but they've also got another guy that I really like because he's also on my fantasy team, <laughs> uh, Blake Snell. But he was the minor league pitcher of the year last year. So he, yeah, he was amazing. And he was in AAA for half the year, and he had a under a two ERA. So, so yeah, I think with those five, you don't have a elite elite guy there, but you have you know five six guys there with a lot of potential. So obviously lost some injury risk there. So maybe they're probably the most volatile of of all the staffs that I pick, but. If they reach their potential, yeah, they're going to be a pretty good rotation. All right. Well, I, uh, I, I stayed with the National League as much as that pains me. And I chose the Chicago Cubs for the number four rotation. And they've got uh, Arietta, Lester, Lackey, Hamill, and Kendricks. And as you were reading off the stats of the Tampa Bay Rays, I thought perhaps I made a mistake in choosing these Cubs. Um, but. Arietta had a very good year last year. Uh, yeah, he won the Cy Young. Yeah, he he was like a one point seven seven ERA or something like that with like twenty wins, something stupid like that. Uh, Lester uh, always has the potential to have a good year. Lackey has the potential to have a decent year. Hamill had a very good year. I think it was two years ago. He kind of came back. And then Hendricks mm-hmm. is the young guy. Now, that being said, Hamill, Lackey, Lester, and Arietta are all over 30. So injuries or um, uh, innings pitched uh, can be an issue once you get, uh, you know, over that, that hump. So um, this pick for me was if they stay healthy, they're probably in this area. If one of them gets hurt, then they're in trouble and might have to go to somebody younger. So uh, this pick is definitely um, hinging upon health. So we shall see. Yeah, interesting that we had two different ones. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, so the next three aren't, aren't going to be so different. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling that uh, it's going to become similar here. So, yeah, my number three was the Nationals. <clears throat> I think, yeah, they're, they're one of... They're getting close to here to have a, a one through five of just really good pitchers. But Steven Strasburg, uh, great stuff. But same theme as some of the Rays. There's some injury concerns there. He struggled a little bit last year with that, so his stats weren't the best. But um, when he was healthy last year, he was striking out 11 guys in per nine innings and walking under two, which is those are both elite um, for those statistics. And then number two, I mean, I mean these are. He probably could be a number one um, on this list. I don't know why I'm putting number two, but Max Scherzer, um, X Tiger again. I, hopefully this isn't hurting you too bad, but he is. Yeah, he's he won the. Uh, I believe he won the Cy Young two years ago. Yep, and then so yeah, the Tigers had the had the. I think the three previous Cy Youngs on their team: Verlander, Price, and Scherzer. They had all yep, three of them on so. their team, and they couldn't win. Yeah, that's unfortunate, but <laughs> yeah, he had a bit of a rush stress last year, so his ERA was a little higher, 2.72, but still had 228 innings, which is good a good workload for a starter. He had 276 strikeouts, which is insane. Um, I think that was number two only to, to Clayton Kershaw, who's 
probably the best pitcher in the game. So number three for the Nationals, Gio Gonzalez. He's always been pretty consistently inconsistent with his command, but when he's your number three, uh, that's that's a good spot to be in. Number four, um, this is actually a the younger brother of Tyson Ross, who is a pitcher for the Padres, but his name is Joe Ross. And a lot of comparisons, they're, they're very similar pitchers, and they're both very good pitchers. But he has a really good slider. Um, so <clears throat> he's a guy, he, came, he had a really good year. He came up last year. Had he he pitched for a couple of months? They shut him down early for innings, but I look for him to come out and have a good year this year. And then Bronson Arroyo, I think, is going to be their fifth starter. Which is, I mean, he's an innings eater, but probably midway through the year. Or so their top, the top pitching press back prospect in all of baseball, uh, Lucas Giolito, will probably be up. Um, he's a guy that has a double plus fastball, which is as good as you can get a plus curve and change, which is above average and above average control. So he's got three elite pitches, really good control. So, I mean, that's that's why he's re- viewed so highly. So, yeah, one through five, very good rotation there. Well, I, I must say uh, you've explained very, very well why I chose the Nationals as my number two starting rotation. Spoiler. Yes. Well, I I figure me and you flip flopped our two and three spots. So since you did such a good job explaining the Nationals rotation, there's no need for me to do so. Uh, but the team that I chose third and the team that you chose second uh, is the Cleveland Indians. And it pains me to admit this, Nick. That's why that. That's why I picked them to win the division. Yeah, because you're just a jerk. Uh, <laughs> but their starting rotation is Kluber. Carrasco, Salazar, Bauer, and Anderson, according to the uh, infallible ESPN.com. Heavy sarcasm there on the infallible part, folks. But anyways, uh, Kluber and Carrasco um, are no joke, as as the kids say these days. Uh, now, Nick, I, I need you to clarify something for me here. I'm looking at Corey Kluber's stats. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I know that he's a very good pitcher. But my eyes are telling me that he was nine and sixteen last year. Mm. What's up with that? So yeah, that's a <clears throat> you've stumbled upon a very uh, hot debate topic amongst um, a lot of different baseball people as far as you know what the significance of wins and losses are. Because a lot of people will say that pitchers, you know, to a degree, only have so much control over that. So I mean, you can. I mean, technically, you can be a pitcher and give up one run, pitch a perfect, you know, be perfect the rest of the game, only give up one run and lose because your offense doesn't give you any runs, right? Correct. So, And and, and to be fair, his whip is 1.05. He mm-hmm. had 245 strikeouts. Right. Uh, but his ERA was 3.49 last year, which is not necessarily uh, great. It's certainly not bad. Yeah. A lot of people said he struggled a little bit because he threw um, a ton of innings the year before. I'm going to look it up real quick. Yeah, he threw 235 innings, which is, you know, that's that's pretty high. So he might have been a little tired. It's about 235 more innings than I threw. So, you know, props. Yeah, I, that's a lot of a lot of throwing the baseball really hard. But So, yeah, <clears throat> you know, wins and losses are a bit arbitrary in that degree. So a lot of... A lot of people say to look more at the rate stats as opposed to wins and losses, but 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know right off the top of my head, but I'm I'm pretty sure he's the guy that had he was probably in the top five for the worst run support last year. So you know, a lot of it depends on it's a team sport. You got to get some help from your your team. That's why the the Indians struggled a little bit last year. They had high expectations and they didn't make the playoffs. So and that could yeah. very well happen again this year. Well, here's hoping. But Carrasco, who's the number two, he also had uh, over 200 strikeouts and had a very low WHIP at 1.07. He had a 3.6 ERA. Uh, Salazar, who's the number three, he had 195 strikeouts, which is just as close to 200 as you can get. Um, so there's their top three guys. Let me look at Bauer real quick. Yeah. Their top three guys seem to be low base runners, high strikeout pitchers, which is, you know, mm-hmm. especially in the American League, impressive when you can have that sort of success at the top of your rotation. Um, so I, uh, you know, based on the opinions of experts have decided that the Indians, uh, are my number three, your number two, perhaps you have some more insight that I don't. No, it's pretty much why I did. I think why I rated them above the nationals. I mean, that was a tough one was, you know, a lot of people say the Indians have three aces with Kluber, Salazar, and Carrasco. Whereas, I mean, the Nationals, you're, you're looking at Scherzer, but, I mean, Strasburg with his injury concerns and Geo. So, I mean, last year, that you, you've got the Indians. you got three guys that have consistently done it for a couple of years now who have ace-level stuff and, and rate stats. So, I mean, that's, I guess, probably why I had them number two as opposed to the Nationals. All right, Nick. Uh, who is our consensus number one pick? And I don't think this is going to be a surprise to anybody. Yeah, the, the Mets are... Miami Marlins! All right! <laughs> the Mets are definitely number one, which it was funny because I, re- I read a couple articles for this, and one guy actually picked the Cubs number one, so maybe you aren't that far off. But I thought that was a little crazy when you look at what the Mets have. But... Yeah, no, the, the Mets starting rotation is just it's filthy. Yeah, I think with the Indians, you have, same as the Indians, you've got three ace-level pitchers in DeGrom, Harvey, and Syndergaard. Syndergaard is, came up last year, but I think this year he's going to really take off. And I think what separates him from the Indians is you got Steven Matz at number four, who is currently the, the Mets' number one pitching prospect. He pitched, he, he pitched a decent amount last year for them and had a lot of success. He actually started one of the World Series games last year. So they obviously think a lot of them, but <clears throat> really good fastball and curve. Um, he actually has the third highest fastball velocity of, among left-handers, trailing over uh, Chris Sale and David Price. So That's good. he's another guy. I mean, after this year, he could be we could be talking about four legit aces in that staff. Well, l- let us not forget Bartolo Colon. The real reason why the New York the Mets, ageless wonder. The real reason why the New York Mets are going to be untouchable from the mound he's you know his nickname right what big fat bartolo cologne oh clearly i was gonna say he's like the marshmallow man that can throw a fastball he's i'm just impressed he makes me he makes my heart melt because a man of girth can can be successful i remember i had bartolo cologne on a fancy team when i was when you were like six i know yeah (laughs) it was a long time ago him i I mean roger clemens nolan ryan (laughs) i'm sure goose gossage is on that team yeah it's i have a lot of respect i mean that's a guy that's still he's 40 he's 42 
he was pretty effective in spurts last year. And he was. He was a number five, so, I mean, that's pretty good. All right, so. But yeah, not, a, not appealing to the eyes, that well, one. Well, you know, not all of us can be, Nick. Uh, all right, so we've, we've covered our top five rotations, and we agree that the Mets have the best rotation. Uh, four out of my five picks were all National League teams, which is just interesting, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, let's talk about bullpens, because that's a whole other story. Hmm. Uh, and I think in the... Uh, well, in in honor of our time, I think I'm just going to give you my top five real quick, and then I'm going to let you mm-hmm. wax eloquent about yours. Is that fair? <laughs> no, that's fair. All right, so my top five bullpens, starting at five and working our way. At number five, I've got San Francisco, which I thought was an, uh, a debatable pick. I'm not, I'm not sold on that, but I think that... Uh, their bullpen is something that that's going to be interesting. Uh, obviously, Sergio Romo, who's a Bryce Harper hater, still a good pitcher. Um, but we'll, we'll see about that. Then I went with number uh, four. I, I went to the American League for only the second time this episode, and I picked Boston. And I think that the Craig Kimbrell, Koji Uihara, eight and nine is going to be pretty hard to deal with. Uh. They've got some other other guys in the bullpen that that might prove. Um, well, they're going to have to prove themselves, I should say. But I think, as far as eight nine are concerned, Kimberl and Uihara have to be in the top three as far as combinations are concerned. Then number three, I stay in the American League with the Houston Astros. Uh, is it Giles or Giles? How does he pronounce it? Giles. Giles and Gregerson and, and some of the other folks in their bullpen I like. And then this is where it got hard for me, the top two. And guess what? These are both American League teams as well. So, hmm, how do you like that, National League? Uh, I, I, I went with the Yankees at two and the Royals at one. And part of what played into that was Aroldis Chapman's suspension for the first, like, 30 games. Mm-hmm. Um, but once the Yankees get to full strength in their bullpen, it, it, the amount of strikeouts these guys are going to get is going to be between Chapman, Miller, and Betances. I don't know how you get on base. I just don't. And Andrew Miller again is an ex Tiger, so woohoo. Um, but the Royals, Wade Davis is Wade Davis and Kelvin Herrera. I think so. I think you've got. You've got the um, Wade Davis and Kelvin Herrera from the Royals. You've got Chapman and Miller on the Yankees. And then you've got Uihara and Kimbrell from the Red Sox. It's probably the top three setup and closer combinations in baseball. Just just my opinion. All right, set me straight, mm-hmm. Nick. No, I think that's a, that's a pretty accurate list. We actually... We're they're very similar. We're four out of five are the same. <clears throat> I actually went all American League on this one, which I just realized. But yeah, I don't know what that says about National League bullpens, but there are some good ones in the American League. So this one is actually kind of funny because bullpens are so tough because they're because you never know very, what's going to happen. You never know. You just you never know. Like bullpen arms, 
they they'll have a good year and then they'll get overworked and they'll be terrible the next year. It's just it's I mean that's why every year there's just closing carousel. I mean these different closers they lose their jobs because of ineffectiveness. It's just you'll have a guy that'll be terrible on one team, he'll go to another team and be amazing. So. So yeah, I mean this this was a little bit tougher, but well, t- I took a shot at it too. So I my number five was the Indians again. So I don't I don't mean to pick, keep picking them, but they they just have some good pitchers. Uh, big reason why I think I picked them over everyone else for five was because of Cody Allen. <clears throat> He's really really good closer, really good uh, rate stats, pretty dominant last year, and then. I've got a lot of other solid guys. Zach McAllister, he's a converted starter. Can throw really hard, pitch a couple innings. Um, so, yeah, good good solid bullpen there. I went with the Red Sox at four as well. And same reasons as you said, Kimbrel Uohara. Uohara was amazing last year. And actually in 2013, I, I saw this. He had a .57 whip in 76 innings. That's amazing. So That, that would be and, like... The equivalent of what my batting average would be would be point zero five seven. That's yeah. So every basically every other innings he, he's allowing just one base runner. So so I mean last year he he got a little tired out. He missed the last couple of weeks, but he still had a two point two three ERA and under one WHIP. And they got a new guy, Carson Smith from Seattle. He, that's who I was thinking of as the third guy. Yeah, was Carson he, Smith. He took over the job when uh, Rodney left but there's this weird thing sometimes when guys take over closing jobs they just lose it and he just was not very effective but I mean when he wasn't a closer he posted a 2.31 ERA so still has some really good stuff you put him in the seventh uh, that's going to really shorten the game number three I went with the Astros as well <clears throat> big reason was because of Giles he had a interesting fact about him was he had a 1.8 ERA eight ERA last year despite allowing a three point one one Babip, which is batting average of balls in play, which the average is more towards two ninety. And that basically just it's a way that people use to assess luck as far as you know, most of the time good starting pitchers are gonna allow a two ninety average. So, you know, I think there's a little bit of bad luck with that high Babip. So I think he could even have a lower ERA this year. Um, and then Gregerson has a really good sinker, elite ground ball rate of 62%, and the average is 45%. So, I mean, that's a guy that's really tough to get the ball in the air. And then they have a guy named Tony Sip. He's a pretty much a lefty-only guy, but he, he's pretty good against righties too. So, as you can see, bigger than these bullpens is, I mean, you, I took the top three mostly and kind of went from there. Uh the Yankees were my number two, same as you, for the same reasons. Yeah, three really good uh, cl- closers. They could be closers. I mean, Batances is he could be closer on pretty much any other team. He could probably throw 100 innings in the bullpen. He's a guy that a lot of times will go multiple innings, which is a huge asset. It's just the biggest key there is not overworking him. But I think it does hurt them having Chapman out for for 30 games and you know, as a Reds fan who saw Chapman, you know, he's got elite fastball, but that's pretty much all he throws. So if he can't command it or if people square it up, he's very hittable. So <clears throat> the biggest thing for him is not – he never developed that second pitch, which I think kept him from being even better. 
And then, yeah, the Royals, number one. I think you got to give them a little credit for being a big reason why they won the World Series. I mean, Wade Davis, I think, is the best closer in the game uh, with his stuff in command. And then Herrera could be a closer on any team. And then Hochevera, he's a he's a guy that can throw a couple innings. And they have Soria this year. I'll see how I like to see how he comes back. I mean, that's where he he originally came up with the the Royals, I think. He did, yes. So he he was there. He was actually for a while, and he was pretty effective last year. Um, except when he was with the Tigers, he gave up a lot of home runs randomly. But then he he got traded to the Pirates and did a little bit better. So yeah, big shock. So yeah, those are those are the bullpens. We'll see how they those fare by the end of the year. But um, yeah, so yeah, we will add this to our end of the year recap, which is only like you know nine months away. <laughs> so, all right. Well, any uh, any thoughts before we shut her down, Nick? Uh, no, I think <clears throat> I think you'll you'll talk a little bit about. I think we're gonna take a couple week break here. I do. I have a, another fancy draft next week. It's my other uh, league that I take pretty seriously. So maybe we can talk about that in a few weeks. See how that went. But um, we'll probably probably do uh some hitters before the league starts but yeah we were we're about three weeks away from three weeks from tomorrow's opening day so that's exciting that's perfect because that's when our next episode's gonna drop because i am leaving for ireland here in a few days and i'm gonna be uh out of out of range for uh talking with nick so we will be off and we will be back for opening day with episode four of Mendoza line. But until then, if you want to get in touch again at Coatsy C O A T S I E E for Nick and at Cam Brennan for me, or you can email us at hello at supermegacorp.net. Get in touch. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Adios.